Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Now the weather doesn't feel too bad tonight, huh? Not too bad. Not bad at all, so praise God. And so praise God, uh, tonight's message we will be dealing with the topic of follow me, amen? Follow me, praise God. And we'll be coming out of the passage in the book of Matthew, amen? And so that's the title of this uh, teaching, just follow me. We'll be dealing uh, with several scriptures tonight. And so I just really want to just emphasize, and I've noticed there were several messages that have come through, and specifically on the Sunday mornings, uh, we had Brother Alice Birch come. And give a good word on Matthew, you know, the Great Commission. And then we had uh, our firecracker evangelist, uh, Daryl Ingram Jr. come in and really just, you know, talked about the face of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, we, I, I think that we're finally getting to a point here in the sanctuary that we're kind of settled down. You know, we were all excited. God has done a great thing. And, you know, he's given us and blessed us with this property and this building. And so, you know, <laughs> what that really means, as much of excitement that we have and what God has done for us, is that there's a great responsibility of where we're at at this moment. God has truly blessed us. And, and so I say this all the time and I'll say it again, that truly what God wants us to do is to be a blessing to our community. Amen. Is that our desire tonight? To be a blessing to our community. We are to be a light, right? A light upon that hill, this, you know, city upon the hill where people can view the gospel of Jesus Christ. People can view that there is hope in this crazy dark world that we're living in right now. And so really, I just want to just deal with the topic a little bit about truly what it means to follow Christ. Amen. It's, it's, it's easy when we just hear, you know, follow me, follow me. But what's all entailed to following the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, he set the example. Amen. If you look prior in this, uh, in this passage, which is found in, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, prior to that and before that, we see the example that Christ set. We know that he was a carpenter's son, amen, and he was, for those earlier years in his life, he's just living life on this earth, and he's working and just doing what any other human being would do, amen, praise God. But he knew in his heart what he was called for to come into this world. So even in Christ himself, there was a calling that the father finally said, now it is time, my son, it is time for you to come and to fulfill your mission. So that is the example that Christ set for us as the church and every believer in this house and in this world. So, you know, if we are to follow him, then we want to follow the example that he's done for us. Amen. Praise God. And so what did he do on this? The Bible says that he went from north of Galilee and Nazareth and came down to where John the Baptist was at. And then John the Baptist, the spirit of Elijah was on him. And John was bringing some excitement. And the people knew that there was something different in the air. 
Because there was, a, there was the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But John comes in here, firecracker, starts preaching about repentance and the water baptism with, that's involved with that. And he starts preparing the people for the Messiah. And the people are excited because we all know the story that they're under the rule of the Roman Empire. And so they've been craving and desiring to be delivered from all things. And that the Messiah would come and set up that kingdom on this earth. Amen. And so the Bible says that he comes. And there's John the Baptist. He says, <laughs> he sees him. John the Baptist sees Jesus eye to eye and said, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me. And Jesus said, let it be so so we can fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Christ was humbling himself to identify with us, the people, through this water baptism. He was humbling himself, saying, I've come to deal, do the will of my Father. And so we know the rest of the story. He went in the water, and when he came out, there was a confirmation that the, the Spirit came in the form of a dove, came upon him, and his, his earthly ministry was about to take off. And so Jesus comes out of that water. The Father spoke and confirmed it. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so praise God. That's the example that he said. And then from that point, the Bible says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, for the fasting of 40 days and 40 nights. And what that really was really meaning is that he was getting prepared for his earthly ministry and what he was about to partake in. And so we see right now some of the examples that I've given you that he did, that we are to follow him. Amen? Do we want to be a follower of Jesus or a follower of someone else? It's easy to follow a lot of, follow a lot of things in this world, and they're not wrong to a point. But if that is our priority, then there is a problem there. Ultimately, he is our king and king and Lord of lords. And we are to follow him, as the word says. Praise God. That's our desire. I know that we don't do it perfectly all the time, but that is our desire, is it not? To follow Jesus and to be like him and to be able to express him to a lost and dying world. This is what this is about. Knowing him, being conforming his image, and then sharing that message to people that are around us. So praise God. Let's pray tonight. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this night. I ask you to remove anything in my heart or my mind that I want to say that it's not of you. I ask that the Holy Spirit would take over and the anointing would flow. I ask that our hearts and our ears would be open, Lord. Help us, Lord, to understand what you're showing us, the great responsibility that you've given us. You've blessed us with this building, this property, with the school and everything. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be a light set on a hill that the world may taste and see that you are good, have the opportunity to come to a saving knowledge to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we get the story as it goes on. John has just been incarcerated, so Jesus starts his, his ministry. John has been incarcerated. He's done his work, right? He's the forerunner. He's done his job. He's pointed everyone to the Messiah. The Messiah's here now, and now it's time for Jesus to show himself. Specifically first, to the nation of Israel, and then later on it would be spreading to the world. And so praise God for that. And so there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a, with the four gospels, you have to understand that in John it speaks about Jesus being in Jerusalem around that area, that area where the River Jordan's at. But then when you look at the other three gospels, you see that, that they mostly focus upon where Jesus at around, you know, Galilee and Nazareth and all that and around there. 
And so they, they all still line up. And so really what's going on here is that um, Peter and Andrew have already heard of Jesus. They've ran into him before at the baptism, remember? Because remember when John the Baptist said, you know, behold, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It says that some of John's disciples turned around and started following Jesus. So there is already a connection there in relationship. So, you know, we believe that they went back home up north to their places because they were fishers. They were fishermen doing their trade and all that. And so now we got a picture here where Jesus is here. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately... They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and the butt was Zebedee, their father, mending nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And I want to also, I want to just add verse 25, because there's even more of a great following than just the disciples, but there was a great crowd. It said, and great crowds followed him from Galilee and Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea, um, from beyond the Jordan. And so praise God. Let's just focus with verse 19. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Amen. And so what is entitled? What, what, what's, what's involved when we see the Lord calling them like that? He said to follow me. Amen. What he's doing, he's doing, a, he's calling them, right? They're being called out. Amen. Do you remember the day that when you got saved, the Lord called you out at that moment? He hasn't shown what he's going to do with you in your life and what, how you're going to be able to minister to people, what gifts that you have. But he called you out from this world unto his glorious light, to his kingdom. Amen. Praise God. Come on. Brother Renee, he called Brother Renee. Come, follow me. Amen. Pastor Brandon, come, follow me. Denny, come, follow me. Amen. Tessa, come, follow me. Follow me. Amen. He gave them a commandment. So praise God. And so there was a calling. Within that. And so let's deal with that a little bit. Called is to call to someone in order that he may come or go somewhere. And particularly with the voice as a shepherd calls his flock. He called them means he called them to follow as his disciples. Praise God. And so we see even that. And, and God does the calling. And this calling is, is, is unique at the beginning. Because really the ones that he's calling are going to be his personal disciples that will later on be transformed into his apostles. Amen. Praise God for that. And so we see that even Jesus walks by where Matthew's at, who's a tax collector. Amen. And not many people are, well, a lot of people are not happy with him because of what he was doing for a trade. He was basically a traitor against his own nation, collecting taxes for the, the, for the Roman Empire. And so many people hated him. But yet Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. And what I like here is with all five of them, the two brothers, two sets of brothers, and even Matthew, immediately they got up and they started following him. They knew that there was something different about Jesus. They knew there was something special about him. We have to understand that, that, that um, Andrew and Peter, them, 
They were fishermen. They had a trade. They had a business. This was their occupation. This was their livelihood. This is how they supported themselves. And even the Zebedee brothers, the same thing. But yet, they were willing to leave it all behind, to follow Jesus. There was just something different about Jesus, the voice of God speaking to them directly to come and to follow him. Amen? Do you remember that? Do you remember the time when God called you out, when you got saved, when you repented of your sins and believed by faith the gospel of Jesus Christ? It was a unique calling in your life. You knew that this was something that was supernatural and you knew that it was not of this earth. God called you forth. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We see many examples First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. What did Paul say when he writes the letter to the Corinthians? The first thing he says, he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't call himself. God called him first through salvation. Then afterwards appointed him as an apostle. He called him to himself. Praise God. When God calls us, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what people think about us or what people think about you or me. If God has called you, that's all that matters, amen? And we have to get that in our mind. I want you to understand that tonight because when the trials and tribulations and things come in our life, that calling is going to get difficult sometimes and the enemy will try to come and play with our mind and say that we're not truly called or we're not truly saved, but when God says it, that's it, and that's all that matters. It's an act of faith. God has given us a faith to believe in this calling. Why else would we do it? Why else would Andrew and Peter and John and James and Matthew leave everything behind to follow him? There is just something about the name of Jesus and the personhood of who he is. Like I said, there was much excitement that the Messiah is now revealing himself to his own people, the chosen people of the nation of Israel. And so praise God. We see the difference. Even we go back to the Old Testament. And we got another example of, of, of the great father Abraham that was called out too. Remember? He was in a certain foreign land with his father. And he was a, a what was it? The idol worshiper and probably even made him too. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abraham was called out by God. Amen. And we know the rest of the story. He was the father of many nations. He was brought into the land that was promised, that would be promised to his offspring after him. They would be promised this land. And isn't it the same way even now? And the born again experience when God calls us out. He's calling us from the world, but he's calling us to himself. And praise God for that. Amen. So we have the, we got the calling now and it's settled in their heart. But now, Here's the hard part, amen? The hard part is to follow, amen? And what is that? What is that? What, what's all involved in following Jesus? That we are surrendering our lives, amen? That we know that we are no longer our own boss trying to run our own life, but we've been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb, amen? In other words, He is Lord now and Savior of our life, and we give our rights up to Him to follow Him. Amen. And this takes time. It's not always easy. But literally, that's, this is what's happened. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong unto him because what he did for us at Calvary. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
This is a form that what's going on is now discipleship starts for us as we follow Jesus. And the apostles here, the disciples, had a unique uh, experience to be able to be around the Lord. So they were able to have hands-on training and being discipled. Not only the word, but also hands-on training and learning. They had the best example (laughs) in the world and in the Bible. The Son of God, the Messiah, the one. They would come and set the example for them. Hallelujah. And so what does follow mean? Behind or after, come after or follow me. In other words, the great shepherd leading his flock. And so what is a disciple? A learner, a pupil, a disciple. Amen. Jesus had disciples in the sense that they believed and made his teaching the basis of their conduct. See, being around Jesus, something's going to happen. We are going to be impacted and changed by him. And that's what happened to these men. The Lord was training them up because we know later on in the story that he would be going back to his father after he was, you know, he, after he paid the price at Calvary and he was resurrected, he would go back to his father and the church would be birthed. So this is a training thing for them to understand what true discipleship is all about. And so the Lord has showed many different examples in them three and a half years. <laughs> Excuse me. As they walked with him and talked with him and all the things that he did was always for an example for them to follow the pattern. Praise God. I said, I don't know how many Wednesday uh, nights, I think it was last one, I said, you know, we used to hear the story, I want to be like Mike. No, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like my Jesus, amen. Mike's cool. You know, we love him and all that. But a million years from now, we're going to be talking about Mike. We're going to be talking about Jesus. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, it's not going to have no time. But you know what I mean? We're going to eternity. And so what better more to be just like Jesus? And so we see this. And so Christ's whole example is to teach them obedience. And he always taught them one thing that I love that Jesus said all the time around his disciples. He's always said that I, never, I didn't come to do my own will, but I came to do the will of my Father. I've come to do the will of my Father. He always came to do the will of his Father. And he did it perfectly, praise God. What an example. As we see, there's many things that Jesus showed them during these three and a half years. You remember they followed him into a boat. Remember that boat? Follow me. They got in the boat. <laughs> this is ministry. You know, yeah, we're excited. We, you know, we're with Jesus. We're in ministry. Let's see what God's going to do. We'll get in the boat. They get in the boat, and then what happens? <laughs> the storm comes, right? They're all scared. They're freaking out. I mean, these are fishermen that have experience in being on the waters, but yeah, this storm was so hard and horrible, that they were scared for their lives. And so we know the story that Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and all that. But he brought them to the other side for a reason. Even through the storm, there was two souls there that were demonically possessed. And as soon as he got off that boat, what happened? They got delivered and they got saved. You see, they were starting to see ministry in a different way. Seeing some of the stuff that Jesus had to deal with the spiritual warfare and demonic stuff that was going on, the crowds, the people, those that were coming against them, all these things they were experiencing it because one day they were going to be the ones that were going to experience a lot of this. And what better example than to have our Lord Jesus Christ to be able to teach them that. 
Did they get it right away? No. Do we get it right away? No. Amen. After three and a half years, there were some things that Jesus said to them that they were not going to be able to understand until the Spirit came on that day. And so many things that he trained them and showed them, they still didn't get it. But on that day, the Holy Spirit started revealing to them what Jesus meant when he walked amongst them. Praise God. Amen. And see, he shows these all these things because this is what he's about. This is, this is it right here. Remember, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38 says this. And when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now Christ is starting to really show the Father's heart, showing his disciples, this is the purpose why I came, to save those that I have created, to give those an opportunity to come to know me in a saving knowledge. My heart is for the people. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to have a heart like his, that we yearn in our heart and we burn for people's souls. Amen? You know, a lot of times we don't even want to talk about the topic of hell. I'm guilty of it, you know, because it's so, you know, it, it, it's, it's just so real. But yet it, it is to a point. And we know what Christ did at Calvary. He won the victory for us. But yet he opens up his, his heart to his disciples and he wants them to see what he sees. This is what he's teaching them. You're going to be my hands and my feet. One day when I'm gone, you're going to be led by the Spirit, by the commandment that I give you through the Great Commission. And so what does Jesus do after that? Well, I've been training you for a while. Now let's take the test. Let's see where you're at. Let's see what you've learned. And we go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And this is what it says. And Jesus, he, and he called to him his 12 disciples. He's finally picked 12 as a multiple for his apostles. And gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. At this part alone, what Jesus is doing is just giving them just a little teaser of ministry. He sends them out, right? The Bible says that he sent them by two and he came behind them. They were to proclaim. That's another story to sell. But they were to proclaim his name and he would come behind them. But they were starting to see kind of what this was about. And can you imagine? I mean... One minute it seems like we get it. He's the Messiah. The next minute we're questioning. You know, that's what they were doing. Or this is going on. And just a lot of things. Just, just the way we are. You know, someone would say, well, I would have never acted like that if Jesus was, I was around Jesus. Man, can you imagine being around the Son of God? Yeah, right. This human heart. Our stubbornness. The way we are sometimes. We would have acted the same way that, that the disciples did to us sometimes. Hmm? but he gives them a glimpse. He gives them authority. And remember they came back and they were rejoicing that the demons were submitted to them. And what did he say? Not to rejoice over that, but to rejoice because your name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is what we are to rejoice. Always pointing them back to that. Always pointing them to what he was about to do at Calvary. 
And so we see the examples that he set. And now, you know, he's died. He's been buried, raised. Amen. And then he gives them the great commission. Amen. Remember, remember the garden? What was the creation mandate? The creation mandate was to Adam and Eve to do what? To be fruitful. Very good. And to multiply. Very good. Amen. Isn't that what the Lord told them, right? In the garden. Well, you got a new mandate in the New Testament. He said, go ye into all the world, making disciples. You're baptized in the name of the Father, Son. Making disciples. Be fruitful and multiply. Here we have the second Adam having reconciliating his creation back to himself. Praise God. It's no different of a mandate, but this time it's special because it came with the cost. His own precious blood. He has commanded them. The commission is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, I'll think about it. No, this is exactly what he said I want you to do. And so he commands them. The Bible says later, I think it's in um, Luke, that he breathed the Holy Spirit upon him. But it was when the day of Pentecost that came that the church was born and the Holy Spirit came in a new dimension. And here we go. We, we have the, uh, the apostles now. And remember, you know, we're talking about fishers of men. And what happened on the first day of Pentecost? How many people got saved in just one message? I believe it was 3,000, remember? Right? And so we see Peter in his calling, being an apostle, presenting the gospel first to the house of Israel. And there was great salvation that day. Can I give you a quick picture? I forgot something. I need to add this. Forgive me. Remember uh, <laughs> at the beginning, Jesus, you know, the disciples and all that, and Jesus told them to, you know, to go back out there and fish. He said, Master, we've, 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 we've fished all night. We haven't been able to catch anything. Remember that? And he said, well, you know what? Just cast it to the, you know, to the right side. So, okay, at your beckoning, Peter told him, Lord, we'll do what you said. So they throw the net back out there. What happened? They caught all that fish, remember? They caught all that fish, and then Peter had to call the other guys to bring a second boat. They filled up both the boats, and they were almost sinking because at Jesus' command, they were able to catch the fish. Jesus trying to say, for without me, you can do nothing. I said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Did you know that the net broke on that one? Now I'm going to give you another picture. Let's go post. After he died, he's been raised in the resurrection. Before he goes, you know, and sent to his father. You remember he was gone. He'd come back and see him just to reassure him that it was him, his resurrection body. And it took it a while for them to believe him. And remember, uh, again, they were out there fishing. Remember, Peter said, let's go fishing. Let's just go fishing. They went fishing and they caught a bunch more fish. But this time the net did not break. Because Christ has paid the penalty of sin upon Calvary and now they will have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gospel to see a great um, soul be brought into the kingdom of God. I've always looked at them two stories and thought it was so unique how it busted a little bit of the net at the beginning but after the resurrection there's no limit. There's no limit. Christ is back at the right hand of the Father. And now he has instituted his apostles, beginning with the church on the day of Pentecost, to really become fishers of men. God has no respect for persons. I get tired of, you know, 
people have it in the mindset, well, it's the pastors and the leaders. No, it's all of us together. We are all called to do this work. We are all called to be fishermen. We all have gifts and talents that God wants us to use for his glory. We are the body of Christ. And I like what this one brother said at one time, and I'm not going to mention his name. And he said, you know, the days of superstars are over because there's only one superstar. And that's who we work for. And that's who we labor for. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll give you some more examples of the calling. Peter on that day, of, he, he preached that, that sermon. And 3,000 souls gave their hearts to the Lord. Praise God. And it doesn't end there. Praise. Amen. Remember Philip. What was Philip? Philip in Acts chapter 6 was just a table server, right? A little waiter. God called him to do that. Who would ever think that God would use Philip in a mighty way later on? When you look at the 8th chapter of Acts, where is Philip now? Philip is running around over there in the areas of Samaria, preaching the gospel, and souls are coming into the kingdom. I'm here to tell you that he wants to use you to do that, each and every one of us. Amen. Do we want to follow? Do we want to be fishers of men? Amen. Because he's given it for us. We have the anointing and we have the power and we have the word to do this. Hallelujah. Shall I go on? What about the woman at the well? Amen. No credentials. Nothing. Sitting there, we know her past. I mean, how many people will really come into the church in her past? But yet Christ speaks to her right there. And what does she do? She becomes the evangelist and she goes back to her people and says, I have found the Messiah. There is a connection here. There is a connection between that story and Philip going to that same area. It's already been dealt with, with the gospel. And now it was ready. I'm just trying to tell you something. We are ordinary people, but God wants to use us. God wants to use us. Amen. (laughs) There's something about the name of Jesus that changes things. Amen. Hallelujah. There's something about you that's different at your workplace or around your family around Christmas or whatever. They see that there's something different about you. And it's Christ Jesus, the hope of glory that is within us. This is so elementary, but it's so beneficial because I believe God has given New Beginning Fellowship Church a mandate. And at the point in time, He'll have us to do it as far as the outreaches and for souls and all that. But it doesn't mean we have to wait till then. We still can win souls right now. We can go to Walmart. Amen. I was at the bank the other day and um, cashing a, a check. And um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. And the, the, the bank teller, she just really looked kind of just down and out and depressed, right? So I walked up, just smiled and just said a couple of things. And, and she just lit up. Just She needed somebody just to encourage her and love her. Amen. That's what we're about. I don't know what she's going through. But when the presence of God that's within us, we're able to go into a place like that with a smile and encourage someone. It does something to the atmosphere. And I give God the glory for that. But you should have seen her, her countenance after. When I walked away, she was smiling. She was happy when I walked away. That's the spirit of God. That's God's heart. To touch people's hearts like that. That's what we want. We should be different in this world. People should be able to look at us and know that we are different. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8 says this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds in one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. 
Amen. On the day of Pentecost, they had a feast going on that all the Jews were gathering for the Passover and everything. And now right here, you got Philip that went to Samaria, which there was a problem between the Jews and the Samarians because the Samarians were part Jews and part something else. So here's another, huh? <laughs> Tell me the gospel doesn't change a heart for people to love one another. We see another example. Peter goes to a home, right? Cornelius calls Peter to his home. All he knows is that the angel has instructed him to call for a man named Simon Peter to come to him. He's going to give you some revelation. And we see what happened. Peter goes there. He starts, he starts preaching. And as he's preaching, they get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost while he's doing his sermon. Praise God. What does that entail? That there's no limit to the gospel. There's no limit where we can fish. It could be at somebody's personal home or at Walmart. It could be in very well in this church, obviously. But it could be anywhere we go if we're sensitive to that. Do we believe God's word or not? Are his promises yes and amen? Did he not say that? That's a yes and amen. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's a promise from God, right? There's the requirement is to follow him, to serve him, and to be discipled by him. That he could use us. Praise God. Amen. One of the best examples was Paul. And why I like Paul's story. Because everything that he went through. Some of those letters that he wrote where he was in prison. And there were some pretty bad conditions in prison. There ain't nothing like the five star hotel they have now in America. In prison. But what he was involved was it was bad. But yet you see the letters that he wrote from there. A man, even though he was in bondage physically, but was free in his spirit, spiritually, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I could imagine how many Roman soldiers or other people that was around him got saved because his heart <laughs> was to follow Jesus, that he'd be a fisher of men, that he would proclaim this gospel. Amen. The greatest miracle of all is salvation. Amen. It always will be. You know, I've seen some miracles. People get healed. And I, I'm all for that. Praise God. We're going to have a sister Sarah come this, this weekend. We're thankful for that. We really are. I'm thankful God's done that for her. The greatest miracle of all is salvation to know that someone has been born again. You know, I can't comprehend it sometimes. I I read the scriptures and I've experienced people around when you see just something about that, that when they get saved, it's awesome. It's supernatural. Only God could come up with something like this. Only God could come up with the plan before the foundations of the world to to bring uh, salvation to us, knowing that there would be a fall in the garden. But yet he did it for us. That's the reward. We are His inheritance. Amen? We are His inheritance. He bought us. And we are to share this gospel. We are to be fishers of men and see what the Lord will do. Does it mean we're always going to catch something all the time? No, obviously not. But we're doing our part. We're doing exactly what the Lord's telling us to do. But you never know on that day who might get caught. Hallelujah. We don't know. You don't know. It might be a family member. It might be a neighbor. 
It might be your worstest enemy that's been persecuting you at work for the last 10 years and making, just making it hard on you might give their heart to the Lord. It might be the person who's on their dying bed because you've witnessed to them and finally decides to surrender before they leave the search and be able to enter into the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Ask us. Ask God to give us boldness. Help us. You know, sometimes in our mind we're like, oh, you know, I got to figure out how to say this scripture and do that. Just be led by the Spirit. The love of Christ is in your heart. That's what they're going to see most of all, that love. And then they'll listen to you. Because people, you can't fool them. They're going to know if you're for real, if you're just going through the, through the motions of, you know, the salvation message. And, well, I got 10 minutes. So let's see if I can win. No. No, they're going to know. Just be led by the Spirit. And you'll see what I'll do. Whether it's religion, whatever it is. People are looking for the, the real deal. And he lives within us. That's what they're looking for. I'm telling you, we got a world right now that is scared straight. There's so much fear. And yet the believer still can walk in confidence in the Lord saying, Lord, whatever is going to happen, my life's in your hands anyways, but I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to live and serve you. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, we're getting ready to, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we're going to get ready to celebrate Christmas. And some of us are going to be around, you know, some families and friends. And what an opportunity. You know, sometimes we don't even have to say nothing. Just, Just being at that table in that room. Just let the glory, your life will testify of the gospel. And as the Lord leads you, then you'll speak to them. But a lot of times, people are very visual. They look at you. They know that... that, that have you ever had a person... <laughs> I've had it many times where you, you walk in this store and they just give you this crazy, strange look. Like, I can't figure you out. Why are you... You know, why are you... You're kind of weird, but I'm... You know, I'm being drawn to you. They can't figure you out. But yet, they know that there's just something about you, something in you, something around you. They know that you're different. And I like them moments. I really do. Because it gives you the opportunity to smile and the opportunity to witness because they see something. Amen. Thank you. I pray um, I pray you got something out of this. I just really... You know, and I don't want to do all this, um, you know, oh, we're going to start a New Year's resolution and, you know, we got to, no, but, you know, really, just really, we got a new year coming up, Lord willing, you know, what, you know, what does God have planned for us? What is, what does he truly have planned for us to do? And I believe he has something that he wants us to do in this coming new year as a church, even individually, even in our homes. Amen. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Mm, Lord, thank you for you dying on that cross for us and giving us the opportunity to share this message, to experience, uh, to get to know you, even when it gets hard, Lord. That's maybe one thing I didn't really touch on tonight about. Even when we follow you, there's times that there'll be great hardship and things that happen, but yet you are faithful. 
And we're just thankful for that, Lord, that you're able to walk with us. We're able to learn from you. We're able to lean on you. We are, we are able to learn of you, Lord. That's what our hearts desire, Lord. Hallelujah. Only you know the time of day that you're planning to come back for your people. But help us, Lord, in our everyday walk. Help us wherever we go, with our family, whatever. Wherever we are, Lord, help us, Lord, to let this light shine. We just love you so much. We're so thankful. We appreciate, Lord, the true meaning of Christmas that the Father gave his best. That's the best gift of all, you. We're thankful for that tonight, Lord. We just ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen. Be encouraged. Love you all. Praise God. Amen.